All right, in this episode of Capability Amplifier, we're going to go back in history because this is one of Dan's very favorite topics. And I'm going to ask him three questions, which are, who are his favorite historical figures? Number one is business builder. Number two is leadership. Number three, woman and why. And I'm going to ask a couple sub questions. I have to give a little shout out to my good friend, Darren Hardy, who asked me to ask you these things, Dan. So let's get it going. Favorite historical figures. Yeah. Well, I've given a lot of a lot of thought to this, and as um, <clears throat> um, soon as I learned how to read uh, when I was six years old, my mother hooked me on history, and um, she said, "You know, um, you're you know," she says, "It's really important to know where things came from, you know, and who created things in the past." So uh, this, uh, what I'm going to talk about here. Uh, uh, um, some of my examples of great historical, these are role models for me. So I'm, you know, I'm going to talk about people that um, I gain uh, kind of insight into my own goals because of what I think these people did. And first one is a long time ago, uh, 300 BC. And it's, uh, they don't know a lot about this person, but his name is Euclid. And Euclid uh, lived in Alexandria, Egypt, uh, was probably a Greek, and uh, was at the very, very famous um, Library of Alexandria, which at that time was, um, you know, really big. Uh, and it collected, uh, you know, documents. They, you know, these are scrolls mostly. And, um, but he, his specialty was everything mathematical. And it's um, it's not really clear because not that not that much is known about him uh, personally. That did he actually create this, or was he an aggregator? You know that he he collected everything and kind of made sense of it and organized it and put it into systems. But um, <clears throat> if you think about the world today and you think about who had the greatest influence on what the world looks like today. Uh, a case can be made for Euclid because um, the, thing, the things that are really permanent in the world today, architecturally, buildings, uh, all depend totally on the elements of geometry that uh, Euclid uh, put together <clears throat> in 300 BC. And uh, <clears throat> I went to a, a college in uh, Annapolis, Maryland, where um, you read the great books of the, the, the great books of the world. And uh, the very first book, very first day, very first class was Euclid's Elements. And there are 47 uh, propositions uh, that uh, you, you do the first one and that becomes the foundation and every other one depends on everything before that. And it, uh, you know, there are 40, 47 elements, and I memorized them when I was, um, you know, I um, had time on my hands, so I uh, memorized them. And that whole notion of building structures uh, influences a great deal of what I do in Strategic Coach, you know, like the thinking, uh, I kind of look at them as my version of Euclid's, uh, Euclid's basic elements of, um, 
geometry. And I said, this is how you build up entrepreneurial thinking. So, you know, <clears throat> unique ability, you know, the time system and everything. These are all like my version of Euclid's geometry, but um, to identify uh, the foundations of uh, how entrepreneurs, doesn't matter what kind of entrepreneur, doesn't matter what circumstances you are, if you have this way of thinking as an entrepreneur, you're going to do well. So that was an inspiration for me, Mike. Uh, so I'm talking about age, uh, well, it was 67, so I was 23 when I, when I learned this. You know, big, big influence. I, I think about it a lot. Wow. Um, what I get out of that, which is really interesting, and just so you know, I'm back channeling Darren Hardy while I'm uh, chat while I'm listening to you. Darren, this and, is for you. No, okay. I'm, do I'm doing this for you, Darren. <laughs> that's that's very very kind. He's going to appreciate it. Um, and I've been looking up Euclid's Elements while I'm listening to you as well. So I'm looking at the propositions, <laughs> and this does make a ton of sense. Because uh, out of all the things that I see, I admire the most that puzzles me is your ability to look at and listen to, you know, your audience of followers, everyone in strategic coach, see the pattern so quickly, craft a tool. And, um, and I think the, the most elegant part of the experience as a participant is the fact that not only are you creating the tool, but you've always come up with a quick example to populate that as well. And um, that extends into uh, the next question, which is favorite historical figure that fits into leadership. Unless you want to mm -hmm. just talk a little bit about that simplifier mindset, how <laughs> the framework evolves and develops, because my how brain can't help but, but ask, like, how in the hell do you do that? and uh, simplify? And is it just because mm -hmm. you use these principles, you look for the patterns, you recognize them, and then try to craft a structure that becomes a little mini operating system? Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think that, you know, one of our basic concepts, Mike, is unique ability. And um, so in terms of your compliment that I, I do a lot of this simplification, it's kind of hard to tell what's the chicken and what's the egg here. Uh, you know, that uh, I think that uh, my, my basic contention about human beings is uh, that all human beings in some way creatively uh, deal with totally unequal circumstances. So you're born, you know, <clears throat> you have no memory of asking to be here. And uh, it's not until six or seven years old that you even, you know, you're, you're even conscious that hey, there's me and there's them and we're different. And, uh, but uh, we did an exercise, you were in the, you were in the workshop uh, a couple of days ago where I asked you to take a look at um, uh, why you're a great who for other people. In other words, what do other people look to you as being uniquely good at something? And so you'd be a good collaborative partner. And what I said is look at things in the past and many of the <clears throat> your fellow participants in the uh, free zone workshop, they went back really early. They went back to six, seven, eight years old. And I said, you know, it's really interesting when you think about it. And I can see it in you, Mike. I mean, I, I have a total clear picture of Mike Koenigs at six or seven years old. You 
um, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, you know, I mean, physically you're a bit different, but I think energetically and um, personality wise, uh, I doubt if there's much difference about uh, between who you were at six or seven years old and who you are right now. Great deal more experience, great deal more trial and error, great more do this, don't do that. Uh, but I think the basic instinct, the basic um, uh, what you're attracted to, what you like doing, who you like doing it with, I think probably, you know, it's 50, going on 50 years. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree. <clears throat> uh, and I'm, I'm going to share my vision of the Dan Sullivan. I've shared this with, with the group before. Um, and I think I may have in a previous episode. <clears throat> Um, which is I I imagined you is that the happy kid in the neighborhood who knocks on the door. And I grew up in a small town where knocking on a neighbor door was common. In fact, we left our we never locked our doors and kids would just walk in and say hi. You know, they, so that was just the common deal. Sit down for dinner or breakfast or whatever. But it'd be like Dan Sullivan knocking on the door. And it's like, let's go play in the sandbox and make great castles. Mm -hmm. And and me as the receiver of that knowing that the castle that we created would be 11 times better than the one I got to build myself. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's like the fun playmate that always made the experience better, but also the creation and outcome was amazing too. Yeah. Um, so that's, and that's, <clears throat> really well, I like, I like teamwork. I like the combination of teamwork and creativity, you know, where, um, yes. You know, that you're doing something new, but it's not something that you could have done on your own. <clears throat> you know, I mean, uh, that's, uh, you know, if you went back and talked to my mother, <clears throat> uh, you know, and said, you know, what was he like? Uh, I think uh, she'd be the description that she would give of who I was, uh, you know, at a very young age uh, would match up probably pretty well with how I show up today. I, lo I love it. I love it. Well, let's let's move into the next one then, which is the leadership question. Who do you mm -hmm. see is historically a leader who's a mentor, but also their <laughs> attribute attributes translate to right now that are uh, most needed? Yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> it depends on how far how far you go back. Um, uh, you know, um, and I'm convinced, pretty convinced that this. Uh, this is true that the greatest leader in uh, in terms of uh, being uh, <clears throat> being important at a very, very crucial time was Churchill. And, you know, if you look at the 20th century, that there was a period in May of 1940 and probably going forward. Um, um, at least uh, six months in 1940 where uh, Winston Churchill um, basically saved the world from bad people and, um, you know, the Nazis, and that when everybody around him wanted to reach a peace agreement, that the, and he says, you can't, he said, you, you, you can't do a deal with uh, the tiger, he says, he'll, he'll just eat you. And uh, he was so clear and um, enormous social pressure on him, no, enormous political pressure, they were getting beat up really badly. This uh, the enemy seemed invincible. Uh, <clears throat> the Americans had no 
of no trust uh, that the, the British were going to be able to survive this. And I think he, as an individual, decided, you know, I'm, um, <clears throat> I'm going to be the person who turns this around. So, I mean, I, I think that uh, circumstances make, um, you know, uh, oftentimes make um, great leaders. You're, <clears throat> and even if you look at U.S. history, who are the three greatest presidents? Washington, Lincoln, Franklin Roosevelt. Great leaders during war. And I think war is just, you know, one of those situations where it makes things crystal clear whether somebody showed up or they didn't show up. So, but I think everybody has their own preferences, you know, preferences here. <clears throat> I was thinking because you asked the question about women and uh, three of the greatest leaders, uh, female leaders ever are Queen Elizabeth I, Victoria, and Queen Elizabeth II. If you look at England's greatest monarchs, all three of them are women. And, <clears throat> and together they, uh, you know, if you put all their uh, time, they just live a long time. I think Elizabeth was like 45, 46 years. Victoria was 62 years. And the present queen is now going on 65 years. So 65, 62, you know, you're talking about 170, 180 years. And there's no men, there's no men in British history that compare to the three women. And they're the only three queens. That, I mean, are actually queens, not the not the wife of a king, they call them queens, but these are, you know, these are three queens. And I said, you know, look at the queen now, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, she's been, <clears throat> she's been queen. I'm 70, I'll be 77 in a couple of weeks. And she's been queen since I was uh, eight years old. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I wanted to throw something in here, which is, um, and I know you haven't been watching TV for years, uh, but I did consume The Crown, which is an excellent series. And from what I understand, reasonably historically mm -hmm. accurate. Mm -hmm. And they go through, um, you know, the where the king dies, leaves her. She gets um, sworn in at a very early age, unprepared, uneducated. And um, you look at her evolution and the conflict that they have as people. First of all, to be a monarch isn't easy because the expectation of being a symbol versus a human is so strong. <clears throat> Secondly, they're technically not allowed to engage in politics. The next thing is they're educated, but not educated. In other words, she had no historical references, no skills. Um, but well, she, she didn't go to, she didn't go to school at all. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, the, the, they, yeah, they were homeschooled, you know, I mean, you, but they were mostly schooled in etiquette and, you know, uh, ceremonies and, uh, everything. Yeah. And, uh, during the second world war, she was a mechanic. Uh, she was a, in the British women's army corps and she, uh, she, um, you know, she, did uh, the, their equivalent of jeeps and that, and then she um, she was an auto mechanic, and yeah, yeah, no, I mean they have no they have no formal education. I think that maybe her children were the first uh, children of monarchs that actually went to proper school. Well, that that leads me to my question, which is, in your mind, what's the why that made them great leaders, even during a time when 
uh, you know, being a woman meant something very different than it does today in terms of expectations, rights, and um, talk a little bit about their, their attributes that you feel are so powerful and strong. So let's, let's hit each one of those, which are just the, why were they so great? And why is Queen Elizabeth so great? Well, uh, you know, I mean, the stories are, uh, of the three queens are, are really radically different. Uh, but I would say in um, all three cases, uh, there was no preparation for them to be the monarch. Uh, in each case, it was kind of uh, 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 a surprise of circumstances that uh, they ended up. And uh, not without enemies. I mean, even talking about the latest, latest queen, you know. And, you know, I mean, the, the, <clears throat> it's really the only important monarch in the world. You know, I mean, you know, 150 years ago, there were monarchs all over the place. But really now, when you talk about royalty, you're talking just about one country. And you're basically just talking about one person. I mean, she may be the last you know, um, person who does this in a way that has any significance at all. And, and um, there's a joke in England uh, that she's now the longest reigning, you know, monarch in British history, and she just has one more goal. And the, uh, the, uh, it's, uh, and they said, well, what's her one more goal? She says, I'll live her son. <laughs> That's, yeah, uh, there may be some agreement there because he got permission, you know, to marry the love of his life. And he, there may be a trade-off there that it goes directly to, you know, the grandson. So, you know, I, I, I mean, um, as, <clears throat> you know, the, I, I don't think what happens to the monarchy or anything else really is the issue here. But uh, I think she's a person who uh, somewhere got really good guidance on just what her role was. And um, as far as I can tell, she's been single-minded by what she was told that she was expected to be. And she's done it for 70 years. Yeah, I think the notes that I took down here are uh, no preparation, surprise the circumstances, consistency is is what i see and um it, it it was fascinating going through again i'm making the assumption because i haven't read the books you know and watching the show that there's some level of accuracy there um but just the way she interacted and she i'm talking about queen elizabeth ii she knew when to pick her battles and when to fight and how to fight and uh, be unexpected um, to win her case um, where most of the time she just let things be, which is essentially what they're told to do is, you know, you just got to let this stuff play out and time will fix it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, the interesting, I did see, you know, before I stopped watching television, by the way, I'm just doing a little test. It's not like uh, this is a forever project, but um <clears throat> In July of this year, at the end of July, it will have been three years since I watched any television. And I said, you know, I, it's not doing me much good. Uh, it wasn't so much content. It was just that I was getting 
kind of an energetic sense of watching television at night that kept me awake for an hour, hour and a half. I just felt jangled, you know, I just felt jangled. And I think it's, you know, it, it, probably it's the programming and probably it's the content, but there's kind of like an electronic field that I wasn't responding very well to. So I said, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to subject myself to this for a while. And I actually uh, only did it for about six weeks. And I said, boy, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. So I, <clears throat> one thing led to another, and here I am almost three years. Um, but back to, um, you know, back to the, um, you know, to the queen and everything. It's very interesting when you watch The Crown, there's only one instance in the entire crown where somebody dresses her down and lectures to her and kind of tells her you're off track here. And it's the uh, only once in her entire career as she made a political statement. And it was something about the welfare laws in England. And it totally contradicted Margaret Thatcher, who was the you know, the prime minister. And by the way, next to Churchill, I think the greatest um, British uh, prime minister was Margaret Thatcher. And Margaret Thatcher <clears throat> went to Buckingham Palace and she had, a, she said, I want to see the queen. She walked in the queen and said, you don't know your role. You're the monarch. The monarch has no opinion about political matters. Start being the queen. You don't, you don't be a critic of the government. You know. And she just took it because Margaret Thatcher was completely right. And, and I think that there was, you know, there was, it, it, Margaret Thatcher is predict, uh, you know, pictured in the series as the one prime minister she didn't know what to do, <laughs> do with. You know, she didn't have any problem with the men, but she had a problem with the one, you know. And um, there, there weren't many male prime ministers of England who could stand up to Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> that is true. In, in the, in the show. And she knew how to schmooze like a man um, and, uh, and dress a man down and really use shame effectively um, again in the show. So I don't know if how, how accurate it was, but the, the actress who played her was very, uh, very, yeah. very good. You really, um, you had to respect her, but you definitely hated her as a, as a person a lot of the time, but had to respect the strength and also the fact that um, there were some big battles going on in England at the time that well, were, were complicated. Well, the, you know, she was just telling the queen her job. You know, I've looked at your job description and you can't do this, you know. And I mean, if there's anybody who would respond to that lecture, it would be the queen. Oh, oh, I didn't remember. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I, I forgot myself there for, <laughs> you yes. know, I mean, I mean, she knew where the, you know, she knew how to get the queen back in line and, um, you know, and it's just really interesting, but the, you know, that the history of, you know, uh, um, historically Britain just counts very large in history. And at a certain crucial point, you have two women who are the, one is the symbol and the other one is the actual uh, you know, the, the actual power, yeah, you know, in, in England. And it's very, very interesting how the, how, why the British keep coming up with not so great men, but really great, great women. Yeah, that would be a, uh, a deeper conversation to go into the culture of, of, and character 
because uh, when you look at, you know, the descendants of the monarchy, man, they're just they're very problematic. But I, I think, well, you know, you know they've got the, they they've really got a problem of cousins marrying cousins, you know, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, even animals know not to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it, it, you know, you can't bet on the outcome when you have cousins. <laughs> well, there's a there's an old saying um, I've heard before, and I'd apply it here: is it's when is a lion not a lion? It's when the lion's in a cage. And when you look at like everything about being in the monarchy and being masculine, you can't be masculine in a cage, and that's effectively what that is, especially yeah. when you're. <clears throat> You have to play a I think role. That, I think that's really a, a brilliant insight, actually, mm. <clears throat> what you're talking about, that for the queen to be the overall symbolic head, men don't have any problem with that. No, I, at least I, I'd say an evolved man. You know, you'd. I think every evolved man I know um, wants to surround himself with a brilliant, strong um, equal and a complementary partner. It's the yin yang side of any yeah. great relationship. Um, and I, I, yeah. 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 It's interesting. So, yeah. And <clears throat> I think business leader, you know, you, uh, Darren, Darren Hardy's, um, request. Uh, I made a case, uh, Peter, Peter Diamandis and I had a, podcast two days ago, and he had just done an hour-long um, uh, interview with the Elon Musk. And, uh, you know, and, you know, yeah, I mean, he has so many original things to say. And, uh, but I, um, you know, we were just chatting about, um, you know, the fact that um, uh, he, um, he has a quality which, um, I really admire uh, um, uh, periodically he'll just bet his entire lifetime on a big idea, you know, and I, I think, I think that um, the stock price for things related to Elon Musk is so high because he's probably the only person where half the value of the stock is the person, uh, you know, whether it's SpaceX or it's Tesla everything is that they're not really bat betting on the product. They're betting on the inventor. They're betting on the, uh, the person who's, um, you know, navigating, uh, you know, big, big, uh, risky bets and he's navigating. But I, I have a sense that half the value of the Tesla related stock is just the person himself. Yes. I want to hit Elon in a subsequent, um, episode i have a perfect setup because one of our next ones that we're going to do is um the best storytelling i've ever heard we're going to go down and talk about tom brady storytelling and leadership and value so uh let's leave the elon for that i i, well, I just want to finish off yeah. because that jumped me to a, one of my other historical uh role okay. models and I was, I actually grew up two miles from where this person was born, and it's Thomas Edison. So, oh, yeah. The home where Thomas, it's Milan, Ohio, a little town uh, in northern Ohio. And um, 
everything that Elon Musk is uh, capable of today as an entrepreneur, as an engineer, you know, as a uh, icon, a cultural icon, um, is because of pioneering work that Thomas, uh, Thomas Edison did in the 1860s and 1870s. And, you know, he's associated with the light bulb. He's associated with the phonograph. He's associated with movies. Um, you know, um, he, he's the one who uh, first showed how you can electrify whole city blocks. Um, you know, hundred. he's got a thousand patents, you know, to his name, third, I think, for third most in history. But what he actually did was create the... Um, the modern, what I call the the modern uh, framework for being a um, one an inventor, being an entrepreneur, uh, understanding the stock markets, understanding marketing, uh, under under understanding how you put organizations together. All that was pioneered by one man. He created what I would call the modern industrial. Uh, R&D Research and Development uh, Corporation. And, and you know, uh, um, <clears throat> um, you know, how many electric companies across the United States are called something Edison, something everything. So I think that he, he created a framework for, um, he created a framework for Henry Ford. He created a framework for Goodrich. He created a framework, you know, any list of, he created the model for how you have to um, create um, industrial power and wealth within the American within the American system. So, um, and uh, I, I think Elon Musk is probably our greatest present day, you know, that that we know about. I mean, uh, I get a sense that with the, um, the rapid emergence of the bit uh you know the blockchain and everything else there's going to be a whole new um variety of new kinds of entrepreneurs that uh, actually make uh, some of the entrepreneurs of the last 20 years um uh, you know um not as prominent as they're thought about right now i i completely agree my my prediction is elon will be the first trillion dollar personal brand and um and what you know, you and I are both spending a lot of time talking about and playing around with NFTs, blockchain, crypto right now. I know you've taken a huge interest in it. and We did a previous episode. Um, but what I think is about to happen is you're going to see this unbelievable multiplication of wealth. And when people talk about obscene wealth, we ain't seen nothing yet because of the mm. The, just the multipliers that are going to be going on and new ways of looking at value of stuff mm -hmm. or ideas or systems and processes. And we're going to be able to just turn a number of dials, especially with machine learning and AI's help to, to um, craft and create huge, huge value. So um, we'll do that in another episode as well. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to summarize some of the key things that I heard today, Dan which are number one um, out of the favorite historical figures. We've got business builders, 
are Euclid to start, but then you talked about Edison and Elon Musk. It all really comes down to frameworks. Mm-hmm. Um, foundations and frameworks, I'd say. Great. Foundations and frameworks. Next, when we talked about leadership, you began with Churchill um, and then went down into Washington, Lincoln, Roosevelt. But uh, the key finding is Winston Churchill saved the world from bad people. And then the next ones were Washington, Lincoln, Roosevelt. They're leaders during war. So it's, it's when their total character comes into question and they ha- stand fast and do historical things. That's my interpretation of it. And then he also talked uh, Margaret Thatcher being um, the, the second to Churchill. And then when we talked about the women, he talked about the queens, Queen Elizabeth I, Victoria, Queen Elizabeth II. Um, and the fact that uh, for whatever reason, it seems as though uh, women are able to hold that position of power very effectively. Um, and in, in all their cases, they had no preparation, a surprise of circumstances, consistency, and they just happen to live a long time. It also seems like uh, the men in the monarchy get themselves into bad trouble and are willing to sacrifice the position for sex or love. And, and the women, women make do. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, uh, each, uh, each of the three queens, uh, really unique in their own way, but they, there are some similarities. And one of them is that the, uh, when they were children, they weren't expected to be queen. You know, they weren't expected to be the monarch. So uh, yes. uh, their, their becoming the monarch was not fated. That's great. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's wrap up this episode. Um, I got a couple things for everyone to do, which is if you enjoyed it, share it. Um, also, you can get a copy of a great video we put together about the transformations that take place inside Strategic Coach. So if you enjoy this, pull your mobile phone right now and text the letters CA, that stands for Capability Amplifier, to 858-434-5316. And you can also hit and go to capabilityamplifier.com. There you can leave a message for Dan and me. Um, and any ideas, recommendations for episodes you'd like us to talk about, because this one, really came out from, I started a dialogue uh, earlier with Darren Hardy and I said, hey, I'm about to interview Dan. What do you want us to talk about? And he, of course, sent me some horrible ideas at first. I need to pick on him for that. But, but it, it did follow up with something very thoughtful and smart. And that came out of it. And some of our subsequent episodes as well, just mm-hmm. we crowdsourced a bunch of ideas. It's a great collaboration. We invite you to be a collaborator too. Dan, do you have anything else you'd like to add? No, I, I, you know, I love this. And, uh, you know, um, you know, wh- one of the things, uh, Mike, is we're getting into a nice, um, you know, period with uh, the capability amplifier right now, because um, uh, we're, you, you know, we kind of have it established how we do it and, you know, how it gets produced and everything. And now you can uh, really open up your eyes and ears to other people's say, hey, why don't you talk about this? Hey, why don't you talk about this? And that, that's actually in podcast land. That's a really wonderful position to be in. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, we've got some. Now it's easier to put meat. on. I mean, I, I'm thing, sure right? Joe Rogan gets phenomenal leads from people to do his 
podcast uh, show. And, you know, um, uh, you know, and uh, he's, you know, he's so visible that he's in a, uh, you know, he has to, um, <clears throat> you know, he has to walk uh, tightrope sometimes through uh, certain situations because he can get canceled by, you know, he can get canceled and everything like that, you know. But I, I love the way that he uh, can talk about very controversial things, and it's enjoyable and entertaining. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, I, he is one of the decade's most interesting people. Um, although I think his show's gone downhill quite a bit over the ever since Spotify took it over. Yeah. I will go on record as saying I think Spotify are jackasses. Um uh the way they manage content and people and um I think they um they cower to cancel culture and they're willing to compromise their soul in exchange for um short-lived temporary public opinion that will soon once the pendulum swings back to um, not what it is, you know. So uh, <laughs> there we go. Tempered that one. So yeah. this is Capability Amplifier. We'll see you in the next episode. Yeah.